The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. Now when Jesus heard about the death of John the Baptist, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, We have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, Bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass, and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. And those who ate were about five thousand men, besides women and children. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Christ. Jesus said, The things that are impossible with man are possible with God. In our Gospel reading today, we hear about an impressive miracle. There's a very large crowd. Maybe we can use our imagination to get a mental picture of this crowd, this crowd would have been about the size of all of the residents of Fairmont. Our town has about 10,000 people and at the end of our reading it said that there were 5,000 men there, not counting the women and children. And so if you took every last resident of the town of Fairmont and maybe added a little bit more, then you would have an idea of how large this crowd was. The occasion for Jesus doing this miracle with this crowd is that they had heard that Jesus was able to do miracles. They had heard that he was able to heal the sick and give hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind and preach good news to the poor. So, although Jesus had taken a boat on the Sea of Galilee in order to get away to a desolate place, the crowd heard about it and they followed him on foot. So, when the time comes that Jesus gets ashore, he sees this great crowd that is gathered before him and he has mercy on them and begins to heal them. So maybe we could get a picture of what this scene was like if we think of the whole town of Fairmont all leaving their houses and heading out to a desolate place, just like where Jesus was. And so that we can maybe have the same place in mind, let's think of the whole town of Fairmont leaving their houses and walking east on the highway until they get to the Fairmont Airport. That would be a nice place with lots of grass. And that is the kind of place that Jesus saw this crowd and began to heal them. 
Now, it seems as though this went on for several hours. The disciples can see that there are too many people, and there is not enough time, and night was coming, and they'd walked all the way out there, and they're going to have to walk all the way back home. So they told Jesus it was time for the people of Fairmont to go back home. And as they're heading into town, they could get something to eat, maybe at Arby's or Taco John's. And Jesus surprises them and says, they don't need to go away. You give them something to eat. And what could Jesus possibly be referring to? There isn't anything out there but a whole bunch of grass. No stores, no large amounts of food. Jesus says, you give them something to eat, but how? In John's Gospel, the Apostle Philip is recorded as saying, 200 denarii wouldn't be enough to buy the bread that's required to give each of them just a little bit. And to put that into today's terms, $20,000 wouldn't be enough to buy the amount of bread needed to give them half a sandwich. And that's quite right. We're not just dealing with a lack of food being available, we are also dealing with a lack of funds. It costs a lot to feed that many people. But as it turned out, they did have something meager. They had five loaves and two fish, and when Jesus heard this, he said, that'll work, and bring me those five loaves and two fish. Then Jesus ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. They were going to have supper, and this was probably as baffling to the crowds as it was to the disciples. Where's the food? Then Jesus took the five loaves and the two fish, and he looked up into heaven and said a blessing. This is not altogether unfamiliar to us. We say blessings too, our table prayers, our blessings. It is asking God to be present with his goodness. And Jesus blessed the bread and the fish. And then the miracle happened. And it isn't entirely clear to me how this happened in my own mind's eye. All I can go by is what it says, that he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowd, and they were all ate and were satisfied, and they took up twelve baskets full of the broken pieces left over. It doesn't sound like $50,000 worth of bread and fish suddenly showed up so that there was a mountain of provisions that could then be distributed. It sounds like Jesus broke the loaves giving pieces to the disciples, and that when they came back to Jesus, there was always more that they could then distribute. In a way, if that's how it was, this miracle is quite humble. At least the actions involved are quite humble. A mountain of food doesn't suddenly appear. There's only breaking and giving, breaking and giving, until everyone has had more than enough. On the other hand, this miracle is somewhat of a departure from what Jesus had been doing up to this point and was arguably grander than anything that Jesus had done. 
All his miracles up to this point had been dealing with individuals. This individual, and that individual. Here you have a huge crowd, the whole town of Fairmont and more. So having gone through what happened, what can we learn from this? This shows that Jesus has power and authority in his creation. We all know that it is not in the nature of bread and fish to spontaneously multiply. In physics, there is a law called the conservation of matter, and that law says that if you start out with a certain amount of material, you're going to end up with the same amount of material no matter what you do to it. You might change it from one thing to another, but you can never get something out of nothing. God, on the other hand, is well acquainted with making things out of nothing. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and this means that he made them out of nothing. In fact, the laws that we have in physics or thermodynamics or what have you were created by God too. And the creator of these laws is not bound by these laws like we may very well be. When Jesus creates more bread and fish than was originally there, he is making use of power and authority that belong to God alone. That which is impossible with man is possible with God. And there are a couple other passages that are applicable uh, talking about this with Jesus as well. When Jesus rose from the dead and met his disciples on a mountain in Galilee, he said to them there, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples and so on. But the part that I want to emphasize is that first part. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus. This is also important with Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father. You shouldn't think of Jesus sitting at the right hand of God the Father so much as some physical location. It is rather the position of authority. He is God's right-hand man, so to speak. Paul, in his letter to the Colossians, talks about the extent of Jesus' power and authority. He says, Jesus created all things, visible and invisible. He's the creator of thrones and dominions and powers and authorities. He's before all things, and in him, in Jesus, all things hold together. He is the firstborn from the dead, so that over all things he may have preeminence. It is good that Jesus has this power and authority. It's always been good that God has this power and authority. God already and ordinarily uses his power and authority in such a benevolent and life-giving way. Just think of how God sustains all things ordinarily and regularly. He's like clockwork. He causes the seasons. He gives us our rain. He gives us our daily bread. In his ordinary way, he provides for not just 5,000 people, but for billions. 
What Jesus' miracle reveals in addition is that he also can circumvent the laws that he has put in place if he should so will it. It seems to us that the laws of physics are pretty well set in stone, but Jesus can alter them. Bread and fish spontaneously multiply when Jesus so wills it. He altered the laws involved in order to feed this great crowd of people. Jesus can also do this for us, if need be. That's something always to keep in mind. If we should be in need, we can lift our eyes to heaven and ask him for help. We should especially be confident when we lift our eyes to heaven for those things that we know that he wants us to have. If we pray the words of the Lord's Prayer, for example, we should have no doubt that these things that we ask for in the Lord's Prayer will be given to us because he himself has commanded us to pray in this way and has promised to hear us. I can't be as certain about being able to feed the town of Fairmont or other things that Jesus did if the need was there, though, that might be a different matter, as we see miracles being done by God in the Bible for God's people. Laws can be circumvented today if Jesus should so will it. But we might not experience the kind of miracles that we hear about in the Bible, realize that the people who lived in Bible times did not always experience the miracles that you hear about in the Bible. Sometimes many generations would pass, hundreds of years, when the Bible doesn't record even a single miracle. It's never the miracles that are that important, but rather the relationship that we have with God. That's what's important. But regardless of whether we experience the kinds of miracles that we hear about in the Bible, you should know, nevertheless, that greater things lie in your future, especially in the end times. The scriptures say, No eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the imagination of the heart of man what God has prepared for those who love him. Jesus has power and authority to feed 5,000. We can imagine that. We will experience much greater things, things that we can't imagine. For example, you will experience Jesus breaking the law of death for you. Things that are dead are supposed to stay dead. That's a law. Things that are dead do not have life, and they have the opposite. They decompose and decay even further. Jesus, however, has the power and authority to give life to the dead. Scripture says that when he comes, he will change our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subdue all things to himself. He's going to use his power and authority to change our crumbling, infected by sin, decaying body to be like his holy, perfect, glorious body. 
So in summary, it is right to consider Jesus' miracle of feeding the 5,000 to be impressive. It was impressive, and it was impressive to those who ate and were satisfied. They were all astounded, just as you would be too if we were gathered together with him at the airport. But better and more unusual things lie ahead for us in our relationship with Jesus, because what seems to be unchangeable, inalterable, unredeemable, is not impossible with God. The dead will rise, the perishable will put on the imperishable, the mortal will put on immortality. The power that Jesus used with the 5,000 will be used in an even greater way on each of you and to your eternal benefit. Please stand. Jesus said, the things that are impossible with man are possible with God.